0: No problem at all. First question, you're a green-up boy just like myself. When did you start playing and who were your heroes growing up?
1: I started playing since I started walking basically. My dad at the time, obviously I used to have a ball at my feet. But, uh, since I could start walking and used to just make, throw me a bit, basically to make me kick it. Then obviously my mum and dad split up and went. my grandda took me everywhere to football and I've just been playing since then, you know. In terms of your first team when you were younger, who was that? East End. Uh, I loved it, my time there. was playing with my mates. Uh, then you grow up, and obviously, you can't play Boys Club because obviously I moved on to Aberdeen at a young age.
0: You mentioned obviously Boys Club there, and we'll come to Aberdeen in a wee minute. But do you feel that having started at Boys Club level that was a great help to you?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, because as you play Boys Club, the like, older you get, more kicks you get because people say, oh, I realise he's a decent player, then uh, I was getting battered and bruised. But standing you in good stead for when you're older, you know.
0: Well, that's the thing, I think. A lot for my, my opinion, is a lot of the players coming through now don't really get
1: a chance to play boys club and they're into academy quite young but as you've said you got a chance at boys club and then you get signed by Aberdeen as a youth player what was that like and how did that come about? I think it came about, I think I was playing in the Scottish Cup was it game and my granddad was done at the side of the park and John Ward who was uh, head scout at Aberdeen like the Glasgow based at the time uh, asked I think it was manja manager who's kind of w- looking after me and they uh, said that man over there and then went over and spoke to my granda then I just came from that. I went up on trial, did really well, obviously, eh, and I was there for about thirteen, fourteen years on.
0: When you signed for Aberdeen, obviously, you must be absolutely buzzing at, your time, at the time and so much your family. But was it ever tough for you to consider having to move up there?
1: See, it, it was actually crazy because I knew I had to move up. Eh, just before I was turning sixteen, I moved up, and I, was in my mind on moving away in a few months, but it was never thinking about it. Then till the day, the night before, my mum had a wee party in the house nothing mad, just a few friends and that, then I was alright, I was all buzzing to go, then the next day I was going in the car, leaving, and my best mate eh, came up in the car with me, and she got out of the car, I was all teary eyed, I was like, Jesus Christ, where did this come from, you know, when you're up at a train station, and I was meeting a lot of older boys who's been there for a few years, they looked after me to be fair and made it easy, but it was really tough, and then the first few months I was really, really homesick, and I was going to quit, but I managed to stick it out, and it got me far enough, you know.
0: When you signed for Aberdeen, who was the boys that were in the youth team when you just got there?
1: When I was there it was like me, Ryan Jack, Fraser Fivey, Mitch Mengenson,
0: Joe Shonkinson, Dean Jarvis. So a lot of boys made it, big you know. Coming through the youth, obviously the first team manager when you just went to Aberdeen around about that time was Jimmy Colder. Would Did he ever come and speak to the young boys or come and watch you train?
1: Yeah, well you're obviously, we're in a, you're based at Petaudry because there was no training pitches, uh, own facilities. So we were in a wedge change room and then on the home. So you're right beside each other and ah. you sit in the canteen together. Uh, and the more you get to know him, he was brilliant with us. I grew up a Celtic fan uh, and he obviously well-known Jimmy as a Rangers fan. So the more I got to know him, was a really good banter. And if Celtic won and stuff, people like, you're not, you're not eating today. So if I get to the canteen and tell me <laughs> to get out and stuff. So <laughs> things like that, I always love you forever, you
0: know, memories like that. In terms of Jimmy, you mentioned there some of these stories. Was he just a guy that was just... To have around
1: the place in terms of joking away and all that? Oh, brilliant. It was him, Jimmy Nick, the assistant, and Sandy Clark. I, uh, I loved it under him, you know. I didn't make any appearances, but training with him. And every Friday, Jimmy Nick, everybody loves Jimmy Nick, no one will say a bad word. Used to come in with a book, so in a youth team, and you had to, uh, the losers, it would ask you a question like, who's the Scotland manager? And it would just like, I'd be sitting one side of the table and another player. So the last, was it the last two, had to either sing bring in cakes or do a team talk. So, Jim and Nick would take you out and say, say I lost, Nicky. And like, the first team players would come in. So, like, Scott Severin would be sitting there, who's a club captain. You've just been beat 3-0 at Ibrooks. The captain's been sent off and he's obviously been rubbish. So I would need to go in in front of him and shout in his face. So I'd be like, skip, you were rubbish today. You let your team down. So, see all things like that, it's brilliant, you know? You're only a young boy, so you're nervous. Going to shout at a first team player. But they took it well, to be fair.
0: And do you think that sort of character building is
1: something that was again like the youth football playing boys clubs is That something you felt that really helped you as you went through your career yeah it is because see when you got up you're really shy you know like, uh, and you don't really know when um, you're moving away from home so see you interact with the first team kind of manager assistant and players it really helps build character because see after i'm not a shy lad anyway but going up to Aberdeen, i'm like whoa oh, you know i was a wee guy going up and track toots all the time they're all wearing jeans and stuff and i was like i don't want to do that but you end up kind of you doing it but uh, no it was brilliant
0: In terms of breaking into the first team and training with the first team, do you remember the first time you went up to train with them? And what was that like? Were you nervous or were you thinking, no, I'm good enough to be here, I'll prove myself?
1: I was confident I would go and do well because you watch them or you finish early and they're training and some people just think the standard's not that great, to be honest. Uh, Although there's some good players, but I remember the first time because I remember I scored and I was absolutely buzzing and I was thinking to myself, it's only a training game. Then the more you score, you think I belong here, you know? And I trained a lot, actually, with... uh, first team because i used to get the ball down passing i remember jimmy calderwood and saying you can play a bit man you just need to kind of grow and go to gym more and i did that up there you know i bought out a bit
0: so obviously you mentioned there uh, you trained with the first team and there's a change of manager mark mcgee comes in and when mark mcgee comes in he gives you your debut but before we talk about your debut when you start training with the first team regularly and you're in the first team picture who were the big characters around the club at that time and did they welcome you in straight away
1: uh, yeah, they did get welcome straight away. There's a few big characters at the time. There's like Dan Mackie, Derek Souter, the goalie and all that. They were all mad. I remember Derek Sutter used to run about with the fire hose and soak people and throw things about. So we'd put it <laughs> changing them. So if somebody walked in, they'd slip up in the air, you know, all good banter and all that. And uh, so even you're a young boy, you had to go and get your first team kit. So you'd walk in there and you have to look up above the door because they would be a wee bit of tape with a big water bottle, full, but no lid on it. So if you open the door, it'd fall on your head and <laughs> soak you. So you had to be aware of that, but when you're a young lad, you've never heard of any of that before. So you just got to learn as you go on. You know what I mean? So there's big characters there, and it was brilliant, you know? What was Mark McGee
0: like
1: as a manager? Uh, a lot of people have different opinions of Mark, to be honest. I thank him for giving my debut. Uh, I think sometimes you could handle things different on a training pitch and stuff. But I was a young lad, so I didn't really have a say. I, say as I think a few first-team boys would say stuff to him. would disagree if they didn't like something. But listen, they gave me your debut and I thank them for that, you know.
0: You mentioned your debut there. It's a, it's a game against Hearts. The team are running 3-0. They're cruising and, and you're coming on to make your debut. What were your thoughts when you were named in that squad? Did you think you were going to get on? Did you know you were going to get on?
1: No, to be honest... Uh, because you know, I was in a squad, but you don't know if you're on the bench until we were in the hotel before and the names, I was like, oh my God, on the phone to my mum and granda, come to a game, make it on and stuff. Uh, but I remember, always remember, don't forget, uh, I was warming up, and obviously, a uh, sub jackets uh, every club are massive, and obviously I'm not the biggest myself, so it was way down my ankles, <laughs> so I'm running up by the Hearts dugout, and this time I think we're two or three up, so there, if you can imagine Hearts fans they're not happy, and I'll never forget, big baldy boy had an army jacket on, solid, running down to the front as we ran by, and he's shouting, oh you, you little midget, get a jacket it fits you, and I'm absolutely shitting myself, <laughs> I'm like, Jesus Christ, get his jewels and grab him, and I was up, <laughs> so I'm up, and I start warming up, and I'm looking back, and I can see him, he's still shouting at me, and I'm like, oh my
0: god, so
1: it's, it's just, he hangs like that, oh, brilliant to look back on, you know.
0: You're winning, as you say. Aberdeen are winning 3 0 Fraser five, five. Fraser five. If I'm scores in that game to become the youngest goal scorer in, in, in the top flight, and the team are cruising. When you come on, what was your feelings like coming on? Was it just you want to get a few good touches because it was quite late in the game?
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was one of the ones I said going warm up. Uh, you're coming on. I was like, oh, brilliant. But I think it wasn't only didn't ten minutes or less. But it's one of the ones as you said. Do you want to go on and just touch a ball? You're three-nil up. You should win. Comfortably at that stage, so I was just hoping to get a few touches and uh, get a feel for it, you know, what it's all about, first team level. You
0: end up, as
1: you say, winning that game. Was there a decent win bonus at the end of that? Yeah, uh, actually, when I was coming on, I ran on the pitch and I remember I said to Derek Young at the time, I was like, Des, he's like, what? I was like, much as a win bonus. He's like, you're making your debut and that's what you care about is your win bonus. <laughs> uh, but I've got a decent bonus that. a young lad. I think I went and spent it on a few new clothes, you know. That's absolutely, why not? Every young boy's
0: dreams, you know what I mean? Not just to. Not just to get I to get signed by Aberdeen but to play for their first team in a in win like that, absolutely. Make the most of it. From there you you moved to Forth and Loan at the, the end of that season and it's you're under Dick Campbell. What's Dick Campbell like as a manager? What a guy. Uh, he's just as a character, he's brilliant, you know. I
1: remember when uh, me and big Joe Shortnity uh, went as Johnston captain and then he's at South End now, my, he's one of my best pals. We went alone at both of us at the same time and we spent the same amount of time there. So we were uh, not long in, I think. We were only in a few games, so we didn't know what it was like. Obviously, you hear stories. So, we were sitting in the changing room in a home game before, and he's trying to do his team talk, and we can't understand him. And he's like, ah, I need to take my cowden beef suit. We like cowden beefs. And he just spits his new teeth Foot. He's like, ah, Just go and win, boys, and walks out the changing room. You like, oh, know, brilliant. So, we just pissed ourselves laughing, and up and We didn't see him again until three o'clock. That's
0: tremendous. In, in terms of Dick Campbell, he's People say he's old school and he's tough and, and tough on boys. Is, is that kind of an image that isn't really true? And is he more of a laugh on the joker with the boys than people give him credit for? He's a bit of both, to be honest. He's old
1: school, but he also has a good laugh. He can, he's a great man manager, you know? He's not just like old school manager, you're like, Ugh, change it up, Dick. He comes, has a laugh with you, so see what at. It's brilliant. It was like we were beating Breakin in a local Ang- Angus Derby, I think it's called. 4-1 up, and I think I'd scored one and set up two. I got money match that game when I was flying and it got about 60 minutes and I kind of took my foot off the gas and I knew at myself I think the game's done so I'm playing left mid at the time and he's over there obviously a big crowd because it's a derby and he shouts Nicky you okay I was like I'm fine he's like "Well, you have got five minutes to do something or you're off I was like Jesus Christ so that was me first again
0: <laughs> when you were at um, four obviously they play at part-time level how did that work for you and joe coming from aberdeen did you train with them part-time and still do your full time the rest of the days at aberdeen
1: yeah we still stay full time the, the boys train i think tuesday first day at four at time it was but we didn't need to go down on a tuesday we just went down to perth to train on a Thursday night meet up there them on a saturday so we kind of did both you know
0: when you go from coming through aberdeen obviously with the facilities they've got and the senior pros you go to Forfar at that time in the second division, what was the standard like compared to the Premier League? Was it far more physical?
1: A lot more physical. Uh, I remember the first game, if I'm not wrong, was breaking away. And I, I think we won one. Forfar was struggling. I think there was a few games in the season when we went there. Uh, and me and Joe went. But Joe's a physical player, so he can look after himself, a big boy. But I was getting on the ball trying to make things happen. I was just getting smashed all over the place and by that time I didn't to see the youth team I didn't tackle I didn't like it I wasn't physical at all but see now I'm tough I put myself about and that's what people say but that really toughened me up and helped me as a young player you know
0: The dressing room at Forfair must have been completely different to the dressing room at Aberdeen you think of the players at Aberdeen you've got former Scotland internationals guys that have played in the top level for basically their whole career what was it like at Forfar with the dressing room with the guys more down to earth and because they are working during the week could frustrations boil over a wee bit quicker if there was a bad result?
1: Yeah I think so because I've I didn't really think about it when I went at the time, but then you realise you're getting a change room the first time, boys were coming up with suits and that on, and I'm like, what's going on here? But they're just coming straight from work. Some of the lads didn't have time to go home, get their tea, and then uh, go. They had to go straight from work to training. So see if it's not a good session and stuff. You can hear them moaning if your team's getting beat. They're a lot moanier. But the changing room was brilliant. You know the lads like Foxy, Martin Foreman, great players, Yano, Ian Campbell, big Chris Templeman, it was a good change room we had, you know.
0: When you look at the second division at that time, obviously we said there uh, it's quite a physical league, but even at that level, are there really good technical players
1: and could you see that? There's a lot. I s- yes, I could see it right away. Uh, it's just some man just don't play as much, but when the ball was on the deck, boys could play. Uh, we had Martin Foreman that plays at Johnston, That He was, for us, technically brilliant, because he played centre mid. At that time, Dick used to want me the ring so I couldn't go show up and send him in and get on the ball. He's like, just get a, kind of long hit because we big Chris Temple at the time. Uh, and that's what people say, oh, Dick Campbell's old school because he goes back to front at times, but it works. He's had some man's career, he's had lots of promotions, but as you said, there's a lot of boys like Martin Forum, as I said, who could play,
0: you know. You mentioned obviously Chris Templeman there and he's a player that's also like a cult hero at Morton, our local club as well. What was he like as a person and as a player? <sighs>
1: a lot better player than I thought he was. I remember he said to me one time, he's like, that must be Morton's worst signing, because I was like, how? He's like, because they signed me for a lot of money. I was like, no, you loved that. Actually, a lot of my mates, I think Morton fans love him. And I always remember, I was at a game against Kilmarnock. Oh, what a game. Uh, he always remembered for that, you know, Absolutely. what a game, what a crowd. Uh, but as a guy, he was brilliant, and his feet were a joke for a big guy. He used to just dance with a ball run people. That season you were on fire. You won the fans player of the
0: year. You won young player of the year. Do you look back
1: in that season and just have real pride of how you performed for Forfar and Dick Campbell? Yeah, I do actually because it's your first year in senior football and you don't really know what to expect. so I've, I always think I, think I scored six goals and had like eighteen assists. If I'm, I might be wrong, but and then I was averaging like a goal an assist a game, so I think I played a big part, you know. Uh, but it was odd down you? to your team and that the play way it suits you best, you know what I mean, uh, and I really enjoyed it, obviously the fans liked me, because I got a few awards and it was always nice to look back on, you know.
0: In terms of reflecting on your time at fourth and that loan spell, was it a club you, you still have fondness for, considering how well you did for them and they did for you?
1: Yeah, it was one of the clubs, on my former teams, every Saturday after my match, I go on my phone and look, it's just, I do, uh, and they were really good to me as a young boy, they looked after me well. You returned to Aberdeen and this time as
0: a change of manager, it's Craig Brown that's in now. How was Craig with you, and did he explain to you that you were going to get
1: a chance in the first team picture, or was he trying to encourage you to go out alone? No, I think Craig said you'll get a chance, and uh, to be honest, I remember at the time I was frustrated because I came back uh, after a good season at Forfar, and training. F- he said to me, even in front of all the other lads and that, uh, after Saturday, see if the boys get beat, they would say Nicky's flying, he's got a chance next week. And then I didn't, so for the next few weeks, and they was saying that in front of all the boys. Uh, so I got a bit frustrated and then asked about loan, and that's when I went to Alloa.
0: So when you said obviously you were frustrated did you go and see him about that and just say look you keep telling me I'm getting chances and I'm not, what's the deal here?
1: Yeah I just asked him what was going on and you said I'm going to get a chance and I haven't and I was only getting a few minutes off the bench here and there but you can't really do anything unless you go and score in five, ten minutes you're on the pitch uh, you're not going to play any next week to be honest and I think at the time to be fair I think we were down the world's bottom of the league and Obviously, Craig being a more old school, old school with Archie Knox is, I think they wanted experience there, you know, and every manager's different.
0: You mentioned there, obviously, you go and see Craig, you say you want to go out alone, loan, and Aloe is the team you joined, did you have any other options other than lot at the time? I did actually, I did a, a lot, I was surprised at the time, uh,
1: but I remember before we I went from Grass, where I was there, to AstroTurf, and we opened the pitch with Aberdeen. So it was awkward because Dick walked me back because I did so well. And Craig Brown and Dick are good mates. So we both of them popped me in the office at Forfa saying, why, why are you going to Alloa and eh, not coming here? So it's one of them's uh, situation. I said, listen, I think it was Alloa going for promotion again, yeah. back-to-back promotion. And I played 10 games and got called back to Aberdeen. Eh, and I helped them and ended up getting promoted. So it worked out well for me, you know. Was Paul
0: Hartley a big
1: draw to go to Alloa on? Yeah, it, it was because of Paul. Uh, I went there, it wasn't for Paul, I, went I probably went to Forfar, although I had options, but it was because of Paul Hartley I went there, yeah.
0: You mentioned obviously you went there because of Hartley, what a player he was, played for Hearts. So obviously a hero at Hearts, a legend at Celtic, he, he proved a lot of people wrong at his age, and even at Aberdeen towards the end, he was on fire, again considering his age, what was he like as a coach day to day, was he a good man manager, or did he leave that kind of side to his assistant? He was more,
1: his best thing about Paul being a manager is, on a training patch, he likes to get involved he's hands-on you know and he likes to take it himself and some of the draws he put him were really good you know because obviously it wasn't long stop playing so he knew what the boys liked and enjoyed
0: what was aloha like compared to forfa in terms of obviously just the two clubs was it similar did you feel or did you feel there was a difference
1: i think they were both really really good clubs uh, it was a bit more professional at aloha and forfa was professional but it's just the way they had a fitness coach under Tam Ritchie who's went with Paul Hartley everywhere. It's like, for example, you'd go in training, you'd uh, do a urine example, and if it was over, you would find they used to have Lucas Aide, everyone jelly babies, underarmers. They had everyone for you, and for if didn't have that, and that's the only difference. But every club's different. Uh, some clubs have more money than others, and, but they're both professional clubs, you know.
0: You mentioned there you, you were at Alloa, successful spell. You were only there, as you say, for a very short period before you returned to to Aberdeen and you go back and there's another new
1: gaffer this time in Derek McInnes, what did he say to you when, when he arrived or did you go and seek him out considering you're just back? I was actually lucky enough because I think Derek McInnes when I said manager watched a few youth team games when I was a captain at Aberdeen and I really, every time he plays at Johnston I seem to score one or two or set up and run a show. So when he came in, he'd said to somebody, what's the wee boy low like? So one of the coaches came up to me and said, you, you thought I watch here, I was like why? he's like, Dell really likes you, then, to be fair, he came up and said to me right away. And that's the most I really enjoyed that. see for a while, at Aberdeen, because I was running about the first team and all that,
0: and I loved it under him. Obviously, McInnes, as you say, was a fan of you, gets you involved in the first team and gives you a chance to, to start more games than ever compared to the previous managers. What's Derek like on the, on a daily basis and as a man-manager? Because he's had some career, isn't he? He's done
1: brilliant for himself, uh, and he's a great guy too, which helps. You say him and Doc both mucked in training, Tony Doc's brilliant, good assist- he's one of the best assistants you'll get about and I think that goes underrated when people talk about Dell because Tony's class and uh, their training was good but as a man manager he's brilliant and I get even, I was frustrated and Dell will tell you I was always in champions Door, how am I not playing, how, you know what I mean? I had, but I had good players, Ryan Jack, Barry Robson, uh, Willow Flood, they were all ahead of me so it's one of the ones people saying to me how you're not playing, I'm like look at the players that's ahead of me, I've got to be patient and when I went in, I think I did well but... They like to go with an experienced team too, and they boys were doing well at the time, so I couldn't really say they deserved drop, you know what I mean?
0: For me, Ryan Jack's one of the best players in Scotland at the moment, and what a player I think he should be starting for the Scottish national team, I must be honest, um, what was he like back then?
1: It was good, but not as good as he is now. I grew up with Jacko for uh, under-13s or under-11s or something. We've played right through as a team, uh, the same age level, so I've known him for a very long time, and he always stood out for me, Steve when people ask who's your best players, it was always Jacko Kenny McLean, because he was there at the time as well. And uh, But since he's went to Rangers, he's added another level to his game, he's going forward. He's when, I, when he was with Aberdeen, and I've seen it in training, he could always play like great passes forward, but he didn't do it as much. I don't know if that's because he didn't have options and a Saturday or whatever, but mm-hmm. seeing what happened now at Rangers, he's just wrapping balls around corner, taking it anywhere, he's flying, and uh, but he's always had that in him, you know.
0: Obviously, you mentioned Barry Robson and Malo Flood, another two guys that have great careers at the top
1: level of football what were they like? Because Willow I think and Barry they're, they're two great players but they've been known to be players that like a wee bit of a moan and groan now and again is that way they were? Yes to each other honestly <laughs> they're like boyfriend girlfriend they just used to argue on the training pitch every day so if they were in each other's team because sometimes young, young v old and the young boys always used to beat them so they'd always be arguing with each other but see players like that you can't buy them about the club because seeing even training that as I said they'll greet your face off you if you're getting beat Not I mean? as young boys you don't really dare do to each other so you've got a couple of young boys on your team, get your finger out, you know what I mean? So see, things like that. And some boys now, I think, football was went where you can't slaughter people, which I disagree with. As a young boy, a youth team manager at Aberdeen, Neil Cooper, he's now a formal manager, used to slaughter me, and I black my mum. This guy's, this guy's crazy. But see, after a while, I was like, no, I enjoy that. Because see, if I let my standards slip, then he'll give me a kick up the ass to get back on form, you know? So guys like Willow and Barry and nah, that, they run at and eat as young boys.
0: As a central midfielder, Primarily yourself Nicky, when Barry Robson and Willow Flood were training, did you try and just learn things from them and watch
1: their game or were you just totally focused on yourself? No, I'd be stupid, uh, to be honest, not to look up to boys like that and I think Barry Robson having a good left foot, I I think I had a good left foot too, so I looked, Kind of what what does he do? And I think he was a bit more aggressive than what I was, but then I thought I'm not as strong as what he's going to be and I never will be, so then you look at Willow, who's the rat about, so I think I learned to add that to my game, which I think McInnes said, Started started to do the defensive side better because previously it would just be all going forward and I would not look who's behind me and stuff, you know what I mean? I was getting caught out sometimes, so just wee bits from them.
0: That first main season under McInnes, obviously the team does really well, which is the League Cup final. Um, before we come to the actual day and everything around it, describe that cup run for
1: me. It was the very first round, I'm not forgetting, was Allure Athletic at home and I'll never forget it because... I said to, to all my pals on the WhatsApp after the game, it was nothing each, went to penalties uh, and, and Derek McInnes said if it would go, he's like, this game's probably going to finish nothing each, you'll get booed off, then you'll win in penalties. He's like, no one person will remember this game if we go on a good cup run and it just worked out like that, it was incredible and all the boys are like, Jesus Christ, must it, Meg. <laughs> <laughs> I, absolutely. But anyway, obviously I think, how did we get in the second now, was it, was it go to quarters? We played Falkirk, I think it was away, mm-hmm. and I remember Dale again said in his uh, his team talk that's what he was really good about manager, See his team talks, he's clever and gets you up for it. He said they will put us on TV because the game was on BBC, and they said they'll only put us on because they think Falkirk's going to beat us because Falkirk were flying at the time, going for a point, and they actually put me out. It was brave because they put your a, a young side out. I think I played. Joe Shonksy, and, and Jack and Cammy Smith played, Peter Pollock, Joe Shonksy. And we went and hammered them
0: 5-0, and it should have been 10. I missed about three or four <laughs> it's chances, you know. In terms of getting to the final itself, what do you remember in terms of the build-up to that? What was Dell like in the week, building up to the final? Did he have everybody going in the sense that we were
1: going to win this final? He took us away, actually. He's clever. Because you, unless you play for Aberdeen or you live up there, you don't realise how big a club it is. And I got a shock when I first went up as well. Uh, so leading up to a few weeks, it was mental in the media. What about, I was what about ten, and, and people come up to you, can I get an interview just in the middle of the street because how big it was? I was like, you're told not to do anything. So it took us away to St Andrews the week before the final just to get away from Aberdeen, enjoy it, a bit of bonding. And uh, I think that really helped, you know, but I think when we went there and trained, everybody's like, we're going to win us, no matter what it takes. And thankfully we did.
0: Obviously we go into the game itself and i last. Asked- Every player that's been in a major final, I always ask them this: Did you sleep well with the night before the game, or were you very nervous?
1: Nervous, but in a really good way. It was one of the ones. Uh, I just wanted it to come, and I think it was looking at the clock. Uh, it was going twelve o'clock, one o'clock. I just think, mate, like, come on, just be like ten o'clocks, so wake like pre-match, and we can get to Parkhead for the final, you know.
0: Being this is a question as well I've asked. Uh, another few players that played around the time when Hamden was out of use. For you, were you disappointed to be playing at Celtic Park in the final or, having been a Celtic fan growing up, were you just buzzing to get a chance to play in a centre final
1: there? I was buzzing to be fair, Uh, I've been to loads of games at Hampden, it's It's a beautiful stadium, the atmosphere I don't think is the same, I know many people disagree with me but I think it's too far away, it should be closer, Uh, so obviously growing up a Celtic fan and all my uncles and that texting me, you're buzzing, so uh, I was absolutely delighted.
0: What do you remember from the game itself obviously, you're named on the bench to, to start with, Were you you okay with that? Did you expect to start? Well, to be honest, I didn't at the time. Uh, I knew
1: I wasn't going to start. It was one of the ones I actually see because it's such a big game. I was thinking, am I going to be in the squad? That's how nerve-wracking it was. So, uh, we end up, I shared with Joe Shonks in a room and in the morning, it was a bit before breakfast, must have been at nine o'clock, and my phone rings and it's Tony Dock, assistant manager, the gaffer wants to see you. And I'm like, Joe, oh shit, I'm not in the squad, I'm not on the bench, or no. So, I didn't know he was phoning everybody at the time, so I came back, jumps in a shower, and Joe's like, "I'm going up today," but Joe was for me. But I didn't know he'd phone him. I was in a shower, come out, and he took me up, and he's like, "You're on the bench today. Just be ready. I'm telling you right now, you've got a big part to play." So after that, that was me buzzing, sweating, just dying for the game to start. So when he told me that, I was buzzing, you know. He's like,
0: "Just be ready." Being on the bench. Through that game, you came on at 70 minutes. And
1: before we get to the part where you come on, what was the game like from the bench? Was it was it just a, a really tense game? It was absolutely a rubbish game. And when I signed with Dundee, Nick Ross, and that, uh, Vincent, and Danny Mullins came, and I think they played for him or less than that. And they said that Yogi, the manager at the time for them, said, just make it a rubbish game because we we're no disrespect for them, they're a good side, but we were better. Uh, let's just get it a penalties. That, that was their plan. So they were happy with that. So I remember sitting inside the side of, the pitch on the bench, I was like, it's a rubbish game, nothing in it, it's just going to take a set piece or something to win the game, you know. McInnes, obviously, as we've said, puts you on at 70 minutes. What does he say to you before you come on? I think he said, just going to use a wee bit of magic, wee man, and try and do something. And I went mean, on right wing, Graham Shinney was just bombing down left, on, up and down. I was like, I think I said to him, any chance you stop running? <laughs> uh, but we got a free kick, and I'm usually decent at free kicks, and. Uh, mm. I was going to go over the wall and I seen a gap and I thought trying to reverse it, but I was in two minds and I just put it right over the stands. And two minutes later, I've smashed it and it's about twenty yards out and they got a free kick and I thought, oh no, oh Aberdeen fans are going to hate me. They're going to score here. Just it's one of the ones oh no, what have I done? And thankfully they'd done the same and put it right over the bar.
0: You mentioned their, their game plan that the players they had and their manager quite open at the fact they wanted penalties finishes a draw we, we goes goes to extra time then they get to penalties. Were
1: you always down as hitting a penalty or were you feeling confident of, no, I'm definitely doing this even though you were young at the time? Aye, no, I love, I love taking penalties, eh, and I knew right away. To be fair, when students had penalties, my Dell had it all sorted out. So when we were working off, he didn't give him the option, he knows how your penalty takers were. He's like, wee man, you're second, I was like no problem right away. Because a week leading up to that, we just, the Dell had uh like a penalty shootout up at Petaudry, you're on the halfway line, had to walk up, blow a whistle, like proper, so you're kind of... But you end up up at you're nervous, there's nobody there, you know what I mean, it's just the boys. Uh, but see what I think, I think that helped a lot, oh, yeah. uh, and we done hunters and I didn't miss, I think I missed about 20 penalties each, and it was all done proper, and I didn't miss one, so, granted, into the final I knew, I fancied myself. And, uh, but I think their keeper watched our against Aller in the first round, and I think most boys changed because, Scott Bain, who I grew up with at Aberdeen, knew where I take penalties. He's a goalkeeper for a lot of time, so I opened my body up instead of reversing. And uh, so their goalie must have thought he's going to open up again, and I reversed. So it just shows you. In terms of going to
0: hit that penalty you mentioned there, you felt as if their keeper had watched that our set of penalties. Did even you went up to hit that penalty? Did you know exactly where it was going when you were walking up? Yeah, I knew where I was putting it, uh,
1: but I can't remember taking the penalty or anything. Like my celebration. Obviously my wee arms were going swinging swing <laughs> about and uh, it's, every time I see an Aberdeen fan I bump into them; they talk about it all the time and I just honestly can't remember it. Just because you aren't nervous and you just want to obviously do yourself proud, your family and your club proud. You just just please score and thankfully I did. Something I'm, I'm interested to
0: ask you Nicky is obviously on the final and on any big game you've played in um, see when you play with a bigger crowd is it actually easier to play in that game rather than a smaller crowd because with a smaller crowd i know some boys that willow flood on off the ball a while ago had said that when it's a small crowd you can hear every chant whereas when it's a big ground it's just noise how did you feel
1: no a bigger crowd a better occasion i think you perform better too willow's spot on because when it's a wee crowd if you misplace a pass even you could be having a great game misplace one you could hear one guy just saying for fuck's sake example you know what I mean you hear all groans but it's a big thing you don't hear anything so you think right next one make sure I, I do better.
0: We mentioned the penalty shoot out there you go second you score your penalty complete blur and obviously Aberdeen end up winning the cup what was the when when the win was confirmed what was the atmosphere on the pitch like for yourself and all the boys was that, is that something else that's also a blur?
1: Oh well I can remember that you know but it's what a feeling. See that when the final penalty was in, when Ronnie scored, so then we just all kind of grab each other and just run to celebrate. What a feeling that is. Just knowing then, obviously, we stop celebrating and we start walking around to see fans and family and just, you know, my family up there,
0: my wife Natalie and that is brilliant. When you got to get the trophy, you're a, you're a boy from Greenhawk, Inverclyde area, just like myself, and
1: there's been
0: players that have came from Inverclyde, obviously, to make it as footballers, but... Not
1: hundreds and hundreds where you could write a book and a, a big novel on it. So being a local boy from Inverclyde walking up there to lift a major Scottish trophy, how proud were you? Oh, majorly proud because when I grew up, up a Gibby, I had nothing, you know, really. And I uh, used to hang about with a few mad men. So my mum said to me at times when I had a chance to go out, I mean, you need to move, son, and you end up in jail and stuff because that's just the way most people, I've played with people who were really good then end up off the rails. So I was so proud, you know, and I think a lot of people underestimate how well some people do from Greenock you know
0: no I think so absolutely and for me in terms of the guys that come through from Greenock yourself and others I think from being a big football fan from the area I like to always look out for the local boys that have done well and watching you around watching that game and watching you lift that cup and I just think because you are a local boy you feel invested in it and when you lift the cup to the fans and your family what's that moment like do, have you got time to take it in or is it just a blur
1: it, that's a blur Trophy. see just when I grew up with, I think Jesus I've just won a a League Cup, the National Cup in Scotland, which, I mean, you grow up, you can only dream of that, you know, and it, just, it was a blur until, obviously, the family recorded it, so I didn't realise until I walked back I'm going crazy, but now what a feeling.
0: In terms of the celebrations afterwards, when you just get back in the dressing room and stuff, I imagine for a fair few beers and champagne popped?
1: Well, yes, but I was the unlucky one, because on a pitch, and drug test people, obviously, after big games, me and I am again, so we got chews, so I'm walking around, and say, right, drink this water. So we're in there for about 40 minutes doing all your tests, make sure you're not cheating and stuff. Walk in and nobody's there in the changing room. Oh, there's about 10 bottles of champagne, empty. but three bottles cases of Budweiser's, all empty. And then they're upstairs all partying. And me and I was like, where is everybody? You know what I mean? So I'm trying to look about, where's the beers? Get us a bottle of champagne, myself. <laughs> then a shower with a bottle of champagne. Nobody's there. I was like, where is everybody? So they're up seeing their families and that, you know? That was unlucky, but the days that night and they on the up to Aberdeen in uh, the next few days, what best feeling in my life?
0: Before we get to those celebrations and also the best time of your life, here, I'm interested to ask this just because I wasn't aware of this. See, in terms of the when you get taken in to do the sort of drug tests, especially after a final, but any time is it just so frustrating in the sense that you know you've just got to sit around and wait and wait until you can go to the toilet necessarily.
1: Yeah, it's sh- it shouldn't be done. To be honest, I think we should be able to go back. Any players should be able to go in the change room and even a drug test guy is done it the door and watch. Yeah, make sure you're not doing anything because we must out on all celebrations, you know, and it's like, we only win one trophy at Aberdeen. As any players, you don't win many trophies, uh, unless you're like Celtic or Real Madrid Barcelona, you know what I mean? So uh, it was really disappointing because we were sitting there, I mean, I was just saying, we we'll just want to go out and celebrate, you can hear them all partying, all the music going in and changing them and we can't leave, you know? Well, I
0: think, I must say, I, I totally agree with you, I think that's, when you think the cup final and, 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 and the achievement that that was, I think that's, that's terrible and obviously, they, their argument will be that's the rules and that's the way it's got to be, but just I just think that's wrong. Yeah, me
1: too, but I think it should change, but they've
0: always, they're going to stick with it then, aren't they? That's, well, that's true. In terms of the celebrations, uh, you described that night and the next few days is the best time of your life, and so it would be, obviously, a major trophy in Scotland. I mean, not many people can say that, do you know? What was it like in terms of the bus back to Aberdeen? Did McInnes make sure there's plenty of beers and stuff in the bus? Did he join in with the banter or was he more deserved?
1: Uh, well, we were going back up to a hotel. To see family, then we were gonna go after it. But you're gonna to, to see family and Stuart Molly Chairman, no owners right here. So Dell said eh nay, making an asset basically. So on the way up, there was a crash. So we had to go Edinburgh away. Some of the club is. so it worked out, yeah, it was, we we're going longer anyway. So we went to Tesco's you know, and all that, and Dell's like, nay spirits and you know, i remember Tony Dock came in, manager. Guess Spirits Boys and the captain, <laughs> Russ Anderson you know, that's like Jaeger bombs up with jumpers, you no, know, like big bottles so Dell can they see it. But but yeah, and they were all it was all up for a laugh, obviously and everybody had to take a wee uh, turn singing on a karaoke, so no, it was brilliant. In terms of the karaoke, what was your song that day? What was your karaoke song in general? I'll be forever blue, that's mine, <laughs> aye. But at night, I can't remember which song was the boss, but I thought I usually sing, but and I can't even bust, the bus journey's just a blur. Just been not even that drunk, but being buzzing. No, uh, adrenaline. But, no, but it, was, but it was brilliant.
0: When you get back to Aberdeen, you see the family, you see, obviously, owners and things, and then you do celebrations. Did those celebrations continue on for a right good few days after
1: it? Aye, yeah, there was a few days. Uh, I'll never forget, my wife Natalie won't thank me for saying this, but we were after the hotel, we went out. I think I've told her. Well, I'm sure I've told her, I hope so. She'll hear this. Uh, went back to one of the nightclubs anyway but it wasn't just me there was guys coming up and saying Nicky do you want to come home and kiss my wife and all that? and <laughs> I'm like what? and that's like dead serious and I didn't they were said to a few boys and we were like is he serious here? and I, that was a few people that said that to you and I remember I must have said to my wife because uh, I was just like what the hell? Yeah, but that's how big it was for the Aberdeen fans because that was the first trophy and I think in 20 years you know so it meant a lot a lot of people and uh, that was just crazy that sums it up definitely in, in terms of I always
0: say this to two people have won trophies with Celtic Rangers, it's obviously amazing to win trophies with Celtic Rangers, obviously two the biggest clubs in
1: the country, but a lot of the time you kind of get the open bus parade because obviously the situation in Glasgow, yeah. how good was that? Oh, what a feeling, that was incredible, I didn't realise many people, would, we knew, we were a big club, uh, knew got a good turnout, but I didn't realise how big it was, then we went up to see where Mayor Aberdeen was it, and we were in a big building, and uh, we were just kind of take turns each just to go out and say kind of thanks and then the old fans singing my name and I've managed to get a video it on my Facebook somewhere and I'll, every now and then I just look at it just what a feeling
0: absolutely and from the cup final the celebrations you get a new one year deal you, you, after winning that cup are you buzzing thinking right I'm going to kick on and play more games next season Get into pre-season
1: yeah uh, as I think as everyone was you're buzzing You think they get back trying and win a bit more silverware because you know it's tough to win a league in Scotland obviously Celtic Rangers resources are outdo everybody else. Uh, but as you think, McKinnis has, since he's been here, he's always had a good cup run. Unlucky for us and him. He's only won one trophy, but he deserved more to be honest. Uh, and that's going back to pre-season, you think right, kick on now, have a good pre-season, don't you? And try and fight for your place in the team.
0: Your last season at Aberdeen was a kind of frustrating season. You maybe didn't get as many games as you'd like. Um, describe that season for me.
1: It was frustrating because I wasn't playing as much as I like. then i done well, i came off the bench a few times, then I think I got injured, and I was out for a few months, so coming back, I knew I was going to need to fight even harder, and I didn't get back to the team really, uh, then I think that's when I decided to
0: move on. Obviously, you said you decided to move on, and there was a few teams interested at the time, but Dundee came in and offer you a pre-contract and a three-year deal, was that, was the three-year deal element of it, what really swung that for you? It was probably Paul Hartley again, to be honest, I think, out with Hearts,
1: Habs, Rangers and Celtic, I think I'd... Every other SPL team wanted me, eh, which was surprising at the time, eh, and I think Aberdeen wanted to keep me another year, but I just said to Dell, listen, I love it here, but look at my age, I need to go and play games, so, and obviously I'd worked with Paul Hartley at Aberdeen, my captain, I got on well him, oh, went amazing. to Alloa, did well, then eh, Dundee was, as my career's went downhill, to say so, from there, and it's not a doubt to them, I got a bad injury in, pre- in pre-season We're playing Rafe away, and I tackle somebody and I couldn't find could get a bump near injury and I had it for like a year or two and I just didn't play in many games and obviously Dundee fans hated me for it because I was tweeted it saying you're a wage thief but I couldn't do anything about it you know so I don't want to be injured so it was a bit of a nightmare there
0: well as you say you go to Dundee and you, in the first season you do go on the pitch quite a lot and then you, as you say you get that bad injury how tough is it to deal with that injury mentally and physically especially when fans are saying oh you're a wage thief
1: that's terrible, you can't be bothered, and you're going, well, physically yeah, can't yeah. play, but they also don't see that. Yeah, physically it was bad, but mentally it was really, really tough, and I had a lot of down days. Uh, I used to try and phone in sick, and I wasn't sick because I was that down, and I was going to bed, and I was like, my wife, oh, I've got to set my alarm, in like a couple of hours and go to Dundee. She's like, why, you just don't go. I was like, I can't, just not go. I pay my bills. Uh, and see, Dundee's a great club with some good people behind the scenes, a good fan base, but... It just was so bad for me trying to get fit. I was trying everything, coming back, breaking down. Then, to be honest, I just kind of chucked it for a while for a few months, just eating what I want. And I, but I shouldn't be doing it. It's not professional. Then I got kicked up the ass after a doctor to the official. I Said, "What a change you've got. Good player. If you get fit again, you'll be back in the team." Then I worked hard. I got back in the team. Then I got injured again. And before I know it, I could get back in the team. When I came back, so I, I wanted to go on loan. Then that's when Derby City came about.
0: Obviously, in terms of Dundee, it was, it was Paul Hartley again, and was Hartley different at Dundee to the way he was at Alloa, considering it was a bigger club and it was full-time for him now. Uh, not to start with me, it was just the same.
1: It, it, it worked the same, but I think it was frustrated with me towards the end because I think he knew himself how good a player I can be, and how big an impact I could have had on the team. And obviously, frustrating for him, he's brung me in. And I understand that, and I couldn't get fit, so I couldn't fire in all cylinders. So obviously it's frustrating for him. In terms of
0: the dressing room at Dundee, what was that like?
1: And Simon Ferry, he was at the club when you were there, wasn't so it? Simon was there for a short spell, I pre season that. Great lad, obviously, he's half his seed. And with uh, Paul McGowan, who's another oh. great lad, after his seed. And I used to travel was was we with before he left. Gary Harkins, Gary Irving, James McPake, Paul McGowan, we'd like a nine-seater. So every day, James McPake and Gowser just used to fight. They got on brilliant, but they just fight each other the whole way. So we both went from Glasgow to Dundee. They would be sweating the time we got to training. They just fought. It was brilliant. Because Gowser's obviously an angry be man. He's known Aye. a Big Jazza, James McPake used to just wind them up. So in Gowser, would be so angry at the car. So it's, the car school was brilliant. You mentioned obviously the pranks at Aberdeen, like the, the water and stuff off the door. Was that obviously with the nature of the guys you're talking
0: about there at Dundee? I'd imagine their dressing room was I as well. I know,
1: exactly. Was the same. And... Poor Cammy Kerr, he used to get all your time. And obviously, being in Glasgow, car skills, so we used to take Cammy's, like Gary Hartons and Paul McGowan, we used to take Cammy's car, you know, airworthy car, so he had no signal. And we'd go down to Dundee. So, Cammy would <laughs> run about Dundee
0: with no signal, and he's to So, it just things at are like, oh, brilliant, you know. Bro, absolutely. And as you say, the the spell at Dundee comes to an end, and you go to Derry City, where you frustrated the, the, the way everything turned out at Dundee, and obviously, through no fault of your own, just because of the injuries?
1: Yeah, I was a uh, very frustrated. Just because I knew it was a good club and stuff, and I wanted to do well for them. And the fans that obviously after games uh, start tweeting you, your wage fee for your rubbish, but I know for a fact that I was good enough. I'd play. If i am fit. I play the Dundee team every day a week, and that's just I was. I was doing it, and then. But see, the most frustrating thing for me is seeing pre-season, uh, playing away at Rafe Rovers and that I was bossing all the games. I know it's. Overs, people say, oh, they're a League One club, but they're a big club. I was going in bossing air games. We were going away to Bulgaria, I played a few decent teams level. I was bossing them. I, you know what I mean? I was, fl- I was flying, and I remember, because I was as fit as I've ever been, I think, under Tam Ritchie pre-season. And I, I remember going into things, thinking to myself, Jesus, I'm flying here. Hopefully I can go and kick on, and maybe you get another move, you don't know. Uh, so it was so frustrating, you know.
0: See, when you, you threw that spell at Dundee and it's time to move on, was Derry City the ideal option in the sense that it got you away from Scotland and gave you a bit of breathing space? It
1: was because then I was getting known as injury prone and I couldn't disagree with that because when I was coming back, I said, Murn were going to sign me. the watch to see me in a game and I played a reserve game. I don't know, it was, against, was it against Celtic? I've, I think I an a show anyway, I was really good in a game, uh, but I was fucked after about 60 minutes. I think it's a, Alex Ray was the manager at the time and came and watched me. And I think he said to Paul Hartley, What a player he's got, great left foot in that, but he's not fit. And at the time, he was about to get sacked, I think. So he's like, I need somebody to come in and play right away. So I totally understand that. But then I was frustrated again because I thought, That's a chance of meeting a good level of championship. Go and prove your worth. Stay fit and you somebody else will take you. So it was one of the ones, obviously, I knew I had to go and play games somewhere. So Derry City at the time, when I spoke to Ken Shields, was the right place for me.
0: Kenny Shields, obviously, managed Kilmarnock, when I, like yourself, won a major trophy in Scotland, the League Cup as well. What was he like as a manager? Another one who he has got a, a reputation, he's been quite doer-faced and old school, but is that the case at all? It's not. I think he gets uh, unfairly
1: criticised at times. Sometimes rightly so, of course, he has doer-faced sometimes and he can say what he wants. He, you know Kenny's outspoken, ah, so he brings it on his sometimes in certain ways, but no, his training, that was really good, you know, and, from his time at command, look, that's what kind of attracted me to Derry. He plays a brand of football where I like to get the ball down and play it, so it's my game. So I, it was one of the ones I spoke to my agent, Alan Beaton, who's from Goorook too. He said, eh, listen, I think it's a great chance for you You go and try something new. And it gave me, a, gave me a new chance over there and I went over. The fans loved me, I think I got on with all the players and I did really well in the league, you know.
0: You mentioned obviously earlier on your family and, and your wife there. Was it hard to convince your wife that like, moving to Northern Ireland was the right thing or was she all for it as well?
1: No, I think it was uh, hard, you know, because at the time we uh, we just, just bought a house before getting married, so you're just buying a house and you're paying a big mortgage, and she's like, we've just done this house up and you want to leave, I'm like, I know, but this is, sadly it's football, it's a lot of people need to do it, not just me, so after a while I went over myself, I said, I don't want you to come over until I get settled and see how it is, because it might not be for you, so I went over, I thought, you would really like this place, uh, she came, and she moved over and she loved it, same as me.
0: In terms of the
1: standard of Irish football compared to Scottish football, is it similar or what's the differences? I, I, that's what everybody asked me since I've been back, and the, it's the same. I would say the and Shamrock Rovers, when they're at their best, they'll play SPL. The did really well in Europe, so Shamrock Aye. Rovers, them took with their resources and money, they could play SPL easily. And the rest are championship level. Uh, so they're but over there, that is championship level, but it's all. All teams want to get the ball down and play. They're all athletes, they all go to gym a lot. Uh, over there, the gym's massive. And uh, in Scotland, when I go to mountain games stuff too, and played obviously I came back and played with Queenie South, the ball's just over your head. You're just chasing it, basically. You're lucky to get 30-40 passes in a
0: game. Over there, you're touching the ball every two minutes because it's more technical. So I really loved it over there, you know. In terms of playing games over there for, for Derry and Irish football, what was the atmosphere at games like and what was a big derby match for yourselves?
1: The atmosphere was really good. Uh, my first year there, we were unlucky because we ended up, Derry City was doing it on the ground up, so we were playing at McGinn Park. It was basically just like a junior park, you could say, like one wanted to stand on it, but the pitch was amazing and it was massive, so that suited us. And uh, it was really good. So, because it was weird and we had a couple of houses there, it was a great atmosphere. And the rivals over there Finn Harps from Ballet Buffet, that's like 40 minutes away.
0: and. Uh, so their games were really good, you know what to play in, the atmosphere was brilliant. In terms of those games, in terms of the rivalry and the ferocities, Kenny Shields saying in those games, although he likes to get it down and play, stamp your authority
1: and get in there early. No, before Kenny just wants to play and play and play. Uh, even some games, well, I remember we got getting beat away at Shamrock Well, and because we the about four goals, it was a young centre-half at the time, Cause a couple of goals, because he just wanted to play out from my back. And he's like, just stick to it, you know what I mean? And because we, we were a very young team at Derry, I was one of the oldest players, but as, as good as you're a young boy coming through but obviously you're in a competitive league and you need points you know what i mean and i can end
0: up paying the price the second season when they get sacked during your time at, at, over in ireland with, with derry obviously you won the irish cup obviously you've won the league
1: cup in scotland what was that like winning a cup in a different country yeah, it was brilliant what a feeling because that's what i said to the lads it might only happen once that i'm in Aberdeen that's what i mean it'll happen for me again then we went and we won the league cup in ireland so it was brilliant what a feeling again and over there it's weird because it, the League Cup over there's not a big one, same here, it's like the Scottish Cup's a big one, and over there's the FAI Cup, is like the equivalent of the Scottish Cup, and uh, so we win the League Cup, but when it gets to a final, the two teams, it's a toss up with a coin, I'm sure it was, to see who plays a home game, that's <laughs> the way it so I was like, what? So we didn't know until like a week or two leading up to the final, it'd be a home game. Absolutely, it's it, not a d- neutral venue, it's uh, just a home game No, day, huh? it used to be like that, and they weren't getting the crowds, because, it's not the big cup. I don't know why you wouldn't get crowds, See, even here in the FA Cup and Scottish Cup, and there's not massive crowds. At FA cup. cup games are brilliant. What Aye. a buzz you get! But for the final, I think Brandywell holds four thousand people, and that was sold out. And obviously it's a week kind of tight small, ground, well. the eye. And obviously, dairy fans are all mad. Obviously, Irish boys are, and girls are you known for drinking, so Aye. it was what an atmosphere it was and what a day. What was the game like? The final itself, and who was it against? It was against Co, Co- Ramblers. Who were they? Beat the Dock who were they're the team in Ireland, they're that's massive it. over there uh, in the semi-finals and they were like 25-1 to 1 to win a game. So everybody was expecting dog 4 5 no, and Gobernunders beat them 2-1 I think it was a 1-0. So, but I was out, I had a hernia over there so I missed half a season, uh, missed the semi-final and stuff and when we found out when the final was, the physio said, uh, get an operation now and that's your target. So i worked so hard with Michael Hegarty and I've got him a, a lot of thanks to him because me and him worked. Even after hours, when the boys were away, we were going to a separate gym, swimming, we were doing everything I get fit. And the game was, was it 2-1 at the time, to us. And Kenny said to me, that's my first game back, obviously, so I wasn't that sharp, but he knows how work, I'd worked hard in training for a week or two up to it. And he's like, ah, are you ready? Here you go. And I was like, yep, get me on, get me on. So thankfully I went on and I did well. Obviously I was a bit tired in the game, but I helped get on the ball, slow things down, move it. And we
0: thankfully won 3-1. So it was a great day. In terms of the celebrations, obviously...
1: Ireland is a country, Northern Ireland as well, both countries that are known to like a good drink, same yeah. as Scotland, so the celebration's pretty wild as well. Yeah, they were brilliant. I think Kenny uh, had said to us, Don't go out, but it's one of the <laughs> ones because we had a game midweek. Uh, but also, it's, it's a bit away, so we, end up, we all went out anyway, and uh, it was what a night. Because in Derry, it's like a wee, all the pubs are kind of close to each other where the nightclubs are, so went down there and all the fans were buzzing. Because you kind of, when I went over there, I got to know a lot of Derry fans because it's such a small place, so I used to go out and have a few drinks. We, Derry fans and I'm still in contact now so you get pals for life you know well, that's what it's all about and to win a,
0: a, another cup in a different country is something again that not a lot of Scottish footballers can say they've done and before we come to your next step after Derry how would you sum up your time over there? Uh, I think
1: I did really well in the league I think when you speak to other managers people at Derry fans across the league I think I did really well and I loved it what a city I got a lot of bad press I think over the years uh, Ireland but when I went over there it was brilliant and such friendly people, you know. Uh, and as they still message me now, how's your wife and how's... I've just had a wee baby, Lucy. So they always message me and stuff on Facebook and I ask, so it just shows you how friendly are. they still thinking about me and I'm now, you know. Absolutely.
0: and in, in terms of coming back, was coming back to Scotland, obviously, the ambition, obviously, you're, as you say, you're, you're looking to start a family and stuff, so was it always the case that, although it was good over in an Ireland and you really enjoyed it, was coming back to Scotland always the ultimate aim in the end? To be fair, no. I was... Uh, the minute it was bad snowing a year or two ago, uh-huh.
1: uh, me and my wife obviously in Derry and my mother, law Jackie, she used to go down and put my heating not on every day or two but she couldn't get out of the house for a few days because the snow was that bad at hers. So I had a bus pipe and my whole house we collapsed, all I left was with beams, so my, I had nothing. Uh, so that's why I moved home uh, to fix on my house. Then I thought right hey, well I've just paid a fortune to do it up, let's stay here for a bit uh, and. Maybe go back to Ireland in the future. So that's how I came back.
0: <laughs> some, again that without something less <laughs> you wouldn't know. And when you come back, you train at hometown club Morton, it's Jonathan Johansson and Peter Houston at the time. What were they like with you getting in there to train and was there a chance of a deal at Morton? Well, at start,
1: uh, Alan Beaton, my agent, said to him, Can I come in and train? But i trained in Morton before, so Dale Anderson, that I think, was it Del we spoke to you, you know, I'm not sure, but they said I can go on anyway. So I went in and I started out for the first day or two with the young lads, Del, John Sutton, and I knew a few young lads anyway. We uh, ran in there, training away, just enjoying it. I didn't think anything about a deal with Boris because at this time I'm thinking to myself, I'll probably go back to Ireland in a few months. I was just trying to convince a wife. Uh, so after a day or two, I think a reserves, well, your team had a, a match. So you went know, me and said, listen, come in and train with your first team, boys and I went in and... In, uh, I did really well in training. I'll be like, I like to think so. And so Jonathan said, every day, he's like, you're showing up brilliantly. Uh, so I trained for a few weeks. Then he's like, there's a board meeting soon. He's like, I want to see you. I want to offer you something. I was like, happy days, obviously. I've grew up a Celtic fan but I was also a Morton fan too. That's my two teams, and I was a ball boy capital for years. So I was like, oh buzzing. I phoned all my mates, they're all Kenny Marshall, shaking out, they're all Morton fans, Joe Queen, they're all diehard Morton fans. So I phoned to him, they're like, he's gonna sign. I was like, well, I need to wait to see much money. I was like, I need to pay bills, and sadly, when I came back, I couldn't afford to live with the money off of my time. And it's January, so I know the uh, budget's not going to I be there. Of course. Uh, and I obviously know Gary Naismith, so he'd phoned me saying, what are you doing? I said, I'm in at Morton. Uh, he's like, you might to come up with Queen of the South and train for a week, just up at Hamilton. He said, you like it? And I went up, and I liked it. He's like, you've done brilliant again in training. So I've shown up to two clubs, obviously, take it off our deals
0: and listen. I end up saying there, you know. Before we come to Queen of the South, I'm interested to ask you in terms of you played a reserve game for Morton against Man United reserves um, I remember that game because I went that day I'm, I'm not going to hide it, I'm a Man United fan in terms of English club, I always followed them, So that was a game I was excited to go to to see how the Morton reserves got on against them And it was a good game and the most memorable moment from the game Was when you tried to chip the keeper from just over the halfway line, what was that all about?
1: <laughs> That's, to be fair, if anyone knows me and watch me for years, I try out every game I'm still doing it at East Island now, every <laughs> game I just try and shoot for halfway line And I think bar. This season, well the keeper saved it on the Morton game, Uh, it was going to tap corner and the keeper tipped over the bar and I thought it was into another yard higher than it was in, but I something I try every day, uh,
0: every game, sorry. In terms of that game, obviously you're playing against Man United's youngsters, but let's be honest, it's still Man United's youngsters, so I'd imagine some of them are on a fair whack of money and they're looking to make it the game. What was the standard like from them in that game? Was it just one of those games where it was obviously because it's a friendly, it's hard to judge, or could you tell some of them were really top?
1: It's hard to judge and friendlies, but you can tell when somebody gets to bottle their feet and get a wee bit of magic or skin you and trying not Maybe you can tell they've got a bit about them. And a few of their players did have a bit about them, but it was crazy because I played with my new first team with Giggs, Scholes and all that a few years before, and Neil Simpson's testimonial with Aberdeen, and going and playing with the young boys a few years later. So not many people play against Man United twice. No, actually, you
0: mentioned that, and obviously in terms of that testimonial, we'll come to that just now, and playing against a team like Man United all being a testimonial, guys like Giggs schools
1: what's it like being on the same pictures guys like that so Ach, for me that's a dream yeah, it was brilliant because it was lucky enough we weren't we i was on bit first team with joe Shorten, say, and i think another one or two i can't remember who it was and i always remember because we were oh man united's coming up hopefully we're involved but it, it way it fell i think it was a tuesday night and we played we had a game for the, the youth team at the time so obviously we had to, actually a bit red and butter so we had to play in that and we'd win 6-0 and i scored a couple of goals but we're not going to get called up because we had a game a day and uh, Archie Knox, and did to Neil Cooper, give me Nicky, Joe and Anna, two boys to sit the bench, uh, just for numbers. And we ended up getting a wee run out, uh, so it was probably but she just sitting there watching schools gigs and that uh, play. I think, actually, schools tried it and nutmeg Johnny Hayes, and he took it for a goalkeeper in his box, <laughs> and just, he lost the ball and Johnny scored, and just started laughing. Obviously, it's a testimonial, they weren't bothered, but Aye. actually, my big pal Joe Seansey, so... We were obviously close and share a flat, so we came on and he actually scored the winner and we won 2-1. So what a feeling going back at yeah, the flat. It's only a friendly, Me Aye, and so. hi- we're sitting high-fiving each other, he's just scored <laughs> the winner against Man United. So it was brilliant.
0: That's sensational in, in terms of a game like that, because it's a testimonial, I assume probably not, but did you or Joel get any endy shirts for that game? No,
1: no, I just kept my end because there's the, no uh, names that I probably uh, should have still, but it was just numbers and uh, it said Neil Simpson's testimonial, you know. Uh, well, what, but uh, no, it was brilliant. What what ex- it was a great experience.
0: Absolutely. And as you say, not many people play against my United twice in their career, absolutely. And we mentioned there, but give it back slightly, we mentioned there obviously being in trial at Morton, join it in your hands and keep you off your deal, but the, the terms just obviously did not work out, which is football. And Gary Naismith says, come to Queen of the South, give it a go. And you signed a deal there to the end of the season. I'm interested to ask him two, two players you played alongside in particular before we talk about the spell generally. Stephen Dobby
1: and London Dykes. How good are they? Brilliant I. Yeah, I didn't realize how good Dobbs was until I went. Obviously, he's a fair age now. <laughs> Thanks for saying that. But no, i And he looks after himself really well now. I, don't, I think he used to be a bit heavier when he was younger age. And now he's older. He looks after himself. But see day-to-day trading. Some of the Hing's sick day was a joke. Eh, scoring from like... Really, but you shouldn't score, and he's scoring, nutmegging and Boys, and scoring, and he's finishing. was a joke, but he works on that even now. I think he's 36, 37, and he's still working that day to day finishing, you know. But I think London Dykes doesn't have the quality Stephen Dobby does, and I think he's a first in that. But he's worked great now that day, and how much a handful he is. And I think now, watching him at he's coming on, he's finishing, and stuff's coming on, because he had a few chances at us, and he missed. But I think if he keeps working hard, and he did work on it too, you know, he just keeps improving and he's
0: been absolutely brilliant in the SPL for a living, you know. You mentioned, obviously, the fact that Dobby's maybe a natural finisher and Lyndon Dykes isn't, but as you see now at Livingston, McGarry Holt, he seems to be using the attributes, his physical strength, his heading ability, now to kind of bring his game on even further. And is he somebody you think could be an international player one day?
1: Yes, I think so, because he's a young, he's still young and he's got, he's quick, strong, he's fit, good in air, he's got everything, you know, and I always thought, oh, if he could finish the boy, he's got a real chance and now he's starting to finish, you know, so who knows where he can end up. In terms of Queen of the South, Gary Naismith, obviously is a
0: manager there, how do you sum up your spell at Queen of the South and what was Gary like as a manager?
1: Frustrating, I know, and I want it's frustrating because when I come back from obviously Derry, I said, mentioned Ida Hernia, and it played, well I played the first seven or eight que- games at Queen's, was it? And I was flying at the time, uh, I think, uh, but it was, Gary was texting me after the games, Jesus man you're on flames, keep it up. Uh, so I was buzzing, all oh, the boys saying off, what a sign this is, the fans buzzing off me. Then uh, after a while my hernia played up and it was a wet Dundee towards the end of the game. Uh, then we were running short on bodies, so ideally the Dundee, we drew one each in the Scottish Cup up there. They scored in the last minute I think it was or half time late on, uh, so a replay I shouldn't have played but with no bodies and I thought I'm one for the team, I want to help the team out, so that set me back uh, but then we, so I played the replay, we win 3-0, get Aberdeen in the next round <laughs> where I'm I should, so I'm carrying this thing, being Aberdeen, it was anybody else I wouldn't have played in the Scottish Cup, being Aberdeen I said I need to play, I need to play and I was taking all sorts of drugs to play, all sorts of physio gave me and uh, I just made it well worse so after that. I didn't kick a ball again for Queens. so I missed like, well, towards the end, I came back, but for about 10 games, I missed, you know what I mean? 10, 12 games, and it was so frustrating because it's a great club and I really enjoyed playing there. Good bunch of boys, and I was, it's causing coming back, you want to prove a point. I've been injured, uh, I haven't I've well done well, so I came back, and the teams I played against the first seven, eight games, I think, their manager always said, he's a good player.
0: He's got a bit about him, you know? You mentioned there, obviously, a frustrating spell, in the regard that you had a few injuries again, but when you were playing, you were playing well. And In the summer, as I say, being a, a great boy, I, keep, I like to keep an eye out on all the kind of local boys that are playing. And I'll be honest with you, Nicky, I'm not going to bullshit you. It was a massive right. shock for me when I saw that you'd moved to East Stirling. Why East Stirling? <sighs> it's strange, actually, because I knew when my
1: hernia and groin played up and I had a problem with that for years, that was my problem at Dundee, my groin too, eh, when I came back after my operation. So it's bored me for a few years and i thought to myself you know what it's a big step and i was i'm not gonna lie i was scared to go part-time i could have stayed off offers full-time but i've said you know what my groin's going to play up again and i could just after games it was always sore so i knew that i was like if i could go part-time for a year take a bit out and i'm not training as much it'll maybe help my groin so i'd spoke to mark miller eh, who's my mate and he obviously he'd played at a good level too Absolutely. he'd spoke to andy rogers and uh, Marty was one of my best mates, He was at large with mm-hmm. Mark, and he's like, Nicky's going part-time. So he must have said to Andy, try and get with Nicky, he's going part-time. But I spoke to Dick Campbell and I uh, bro, and just because it was a bit far, I was like, not for me. Then uh, knowing that Mark and me Marty we were going to get better, I thought, being part-time, I was like, dropping down the levels, people were going to say, what's you playing at? And did people did tweet me, what are you playing at? But listen, it's my career and it's worked out brilliant, to be honest.
0: As you say, in terms of, I don't even mean it in a derogatory way, I just mean no, I think at the time, of course, I think, having seen you obviously on trial at Morton, Queen of the South, East Irland, it just seemed to come out of yeah. the blue, but you've explained your reasons, obviously, going part-time and it makes sense now, and the Lowland League is obviously where they're playing at the moment, what's the standard like there?
1: standard's good, As, as not, I said that, we've played uh, teams like BSE, Bonnerig, Kirby Hearts, these teams could play, easily play League 2, maybe League 1 i played in their leagues and these guys and players are better and some are played against. It's because yeah. the lone league people get disrespect. No, and it's... albeit, lone league, some of the bottom teams, and you've got to be honest, they're not great. Uh, and they can they can get anywhere near league two and they won't. But their club's that's good committee, they're all close, you know, so fair play to them. But the top eight teams, you've got Spartans and all that in that league. They're good teams
0: uh, with good players, but it is a good league. In terms of all still what's the aim for the club? Is it just trying to the ambition just to get back to League Two as soon as
1: possible? Yeah, absolutely. That's why I went. When I spoke to him, it wasn't just like Marty and Mark's going there. I'd spoke to Andy and the gaffer, Dell. I said, what's your ambitions? I'm not wanting to come if it's basically fucking about because I've still got ambitions to get back up. You know, I'm still young enough. I was like, I want to come and try and get my groin. And he would some, when I spoke to Dell, that's one of the ones I went there because he said to me, what's the problem I explained? He's like, I've that before. So if, I'm, if I play a Saturday and a Tuesday, I'm sore. Thankfully I've not been touched with this season, I've not missed any games with my groin. Uh, he's been brilliant with me, he just sit out training, then come back Thursday, do a bit on your own on a Wednesday night, whatever, stay of, because I'm not training, do a bit Thursday training, then play Saturday. So he's been brilliant with me, but uh, no, it's worked out really well for me, you know. In terms of, your, in terms of every
0: time I, I see me go on Twitter and he's still and you see me have scored another goal, so how's it, how's it been? It's been
1: brilliant and I think people will probably say, oh, you are scoring goals because you're in the lone league and I don't blame him. But if where I've always played is sitting sit centre mid and getting on the ball. That's, I'm a ball player and I like to get on the ball from defenders and play through lines and create chances. But Dell said to me, he's like, You always like to go forward. He's like, So I want to kind of, he's like, given me license to go forward this year. And a few games I've played, uh, you're up in the number 10 position, you're off the right striker. And I think, I've, I was counting it today, I think it's 25 games I've played most of my career, I think. Uh, and we've still got a few games to go, so I'm touch. I want to get to 30, that's my aim and I've scored 14 goals, so, that's, it speaks for as you know. Absolutely,
0: and uh, another player from East Ireland I'm interested to ask about is Peter McDonald, obviously. Being there, wore the t-shirt in terms of football, being at Walton, coming through at Rangers, what's he like on a daily basis? He's brilliant, obviously. He's coaching at Rangers
1: and that team, so he doesn't train on Tuesday, he just comes in the Thursday, and obviously he's getting older too, but he's been there, obviously I played against him as at Johnson, I was at Aberdeen. He's been at Morton all that team, and I used to go to games, and you know, all my mates love him, so, you no, know, but, see, players like that, I think I choose, the ambition. Bobby Barnack came at the club. Today. Forget Mark Muller, Eddie Malone. Boys who played Willie Dyer. So the ambition has to go up. No, I mean we don't want to just go up. We want to try and get higher. And a club. That's why the club sold it to me. And even speaking to him, I signed a new contract there, extension a few months ago. And just because the way he spoke
0: ambitions, is I like it. You know. You mentioned there the ambitions for East Stirling to get back to to um, League 2 and it's a club as you say that is ambitious and it's one of Scotland's great clubs in terms of the lower leagues, it's a club that's always been around there and obviously they eventually went down but it's good to see that their ambitions to get back up. What about your ambitions for the future? Are you happy with part time at the moment or is that something you're going to look to continue or have you still got it in the back of your mind? A year or two East Stirling, yes, but I want to go back full time. No, I want to go back full time. Uh,
1: I spoke to Stirling before I signed my contract extension and I said listen, if I sign an extension, if someone comes in and it's right for me and they use a wee few quid, not much obviously, uh, well, I'm a bit about to leave and they've said they wouldn't stand my way. And I'd spoke, before I signed my extension, I'd spoke to teams in Ireland. Teams want me over there, but to go and uproot a young family now, it's going to need to be really good money, to be truthful with I you. Absolutely. And absolutely. Uh, so, no, I've got ambitions and if somebody comes in, I've signed a new deal, but if somebody comes in the summer and says to East Berlin, a bit of cash and it suits me, suits still Berlin, suits a new club, eh, I might go, you know, but I have got ambitions to go back full time, but I wouldn't go to any full time club, it needs not to suit fine. me, you know, I'm hang wise enough to know, like, you can't just go anywhere for the sake of saying I'm be full time footballer or i have just go back to Ireland now, you know, the clubs that have come in, eh, it's just not right for me, But I, I personally don't think, I could be wrong, but I'm, happy when I'm out just now and I'm in no rush because as I really love it, I can Emis has said, see when you're at clubs and you're getting beat every week, East with we're third just now, albeit somebody's got a, game in ha- a few games at hand, we're winning most weeks and she just that feeling, it doesn't matter the level and scoring goals and what a feeling. She said to me, if it done DE or Derry, my last year Derry we're getting beat mostly nearly every week because we had a really bad season and I was going home and I would not speak to her, I would just open up 10 beers, I would go and buy I beers, I'll, I'll work it back to front, if we won a game. I stay in if I get beat I'll go out and drink because I'm raging <laughs> and some boys if you win a game they'll go out and celebrate you know my missus said when you get beat like she didn't text me my mum doesn't text me my brother doesn't text me because they know I won't reply you know uh, but no she said you can play him every week with a smile on your face and that's the main thing It's not. it's been a long time since I've done that
0: well that's good to hear and uh, one last question about the loan League obviously Kelty Hearts are well known to, to everybody for the budget they've got Barry Ferguson Bob Malcolm being there they've just signed Michael a player he was at Morton What would they like to play against? Are they a
1: really top outfit and do you think if they go up, they will compete at League Two and League One level? I think they've got a decent budget to be fair, I think it's well known but not only that, they've got a good team. You look at the players there, they've played championship, League One, League Two, they've been about business and obviously they're adding players like Michael Tidson and that. So if they can get up this league, it's going to be close between them and Bonnerig and BSC are just behind. They're fourth behind us but they've got a few games in hand. So it should really be out. Between Bonnerick and Kelty, but I think if Kelty go up I think they've got the budget to do what Cove are doing just now, go and challenge again, you know. They've got uh, they're a good side but they're well organised and some good players.
0: In terms of playing them have you had the chance
1: to have a wee chat with Barry Ferguson after the games, is he commented in your game at all? No, to be honest, uh, just kinda the beaters win, i out at home so I stormed <laughs> off raging and we drew two each and at their place and we battled them and
0: we should have so I stormed off raging again. <laughs> um You're still obviously very young, you're part-time at the moment, Ambition back to being a full-time footballer. But obviously this year or so, being part-time, have you started to think, even though you're young, towards coaching and being involved in football, as you start to get older?
1: Yeah, I want to do my badges now. I think any manager I've worked under, especially Adele, always says you're going to be a manager one day. It's always said, because... If you know you name a player, a team, I'll tell you about something about it. I just love football. I check watch any game on TV, any league. I just love football. You know, I go and watch Sunday morning league, Saturday. Any time I can watch a game, I can. Uh, I just love football. So hopefully, I I can do my badges and I can stay in a game once I hang up my boots in some way. Well, I must say I can vouch for that myself.
0: Obviously, I've been to. A few more reserve
1: games recently, and I always kind of see you there watching the games. So your your yeah. love for footballs there for everybody to see. No, I think everybody knows. People always say, "Oh, my mates say, take a day off. You know, it's pushing and rain, snowing. I'll say to him, "You want to come watch a game? The land and I well I, I just love it. You know, it's just the way I am. I've always will be. That's the best way to be, and I, I'll finish now. We a round of five questions, Nicky. Um,
0: first of all,
1: best players you played with. Best players got to be Steven Darby, <sighs> and Niamh again. Their quality is amazing. I always played. I didn't. I don't think I should have pitch with him, I don't know if Sean had played in my debut, I think he beat Sean Alucco went to Rangers, but he in training I trained with him what a player he was too. In terms of best players you played against? <sighs> He's talking about gigs, goals, but I think, I've said this on paper, Santa Cazola, I played in Dan Mackie's Testimonial oh, against Villarreal, and he played in Marcos Is it Marcos Senna. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, Santi Cazola I think he nutmegged me, but I went to going to tackle, and I just knocked me and I them when I smashed him on a tackle, and the were all, all Spanish players running about me. <laughs> I was like, lads, I didn't mean it, he just his feet were just too quick. <laughs> <laughs> what about the most inspirational
0: captain
1: you've had so far? Ryan McBride, who sadly passed away in Derry. He was brilliant. Uh, going in, because I said that on paper too, when I did an interview in Derry, when I first went there, yeah, obviously you don't know him there, and he took time to get to know me in the canteen and stuff, and sat with. Sat for hours chatting, you know, just things like that. Ah, but see you on the pitch. I think Harley spoke and he changed him. He, some captain scream and shout. He wouldn't say much until we were getting beat. But eh, and on the pitch, he was an animal, you know. Eh? There's an attack match right, on YouTube against Cork. If you type in, two boys run to him and he just goes, slides through and puts you to him up there, Gets the <laughs> ball, but that's just the way he was. his says friendly, giant, but on the pitch, a monster, but in a good way. What about the best
0: manager in your career?
1: Del, my goodness. I just thought he was brilliant, you know.
0: And You mentioned obviously earlier on, it's something I think is really quite interesting that you've mentioned because it's something that I think a lot of fans don't take into account, the fact that Tony Dock plays a big role with him, are they very much a double act as a, as Absol- as a team?
1: Aye, I, I don't think now it, Del would go anywhere without Doc. Dock, we wouldn't be the same. Uh, so I think they'll be guy for as long as Del's a manager because Doc's brilliant in a, a day-to-day place, having banter with boys, you know, and that goes, if you've a bad result, you need somebody to come in, you know what I mean? You don't want that tension, because uh. if a Saturday, if you just get beat, and the, the gaffer's slaughtered, you know what I mean? And it's tension And Monday, it's like, but Doc's good, it comes in, you know what it's like, you've not the best game, and you just put your hands up.
0: Um, going off the football for a wee tangent here, beach holiday or city break? Beach
1: holiday. <laughs> Who's your favourite band? Oasis was...
0: Oh,
1: brilliant. Uh, favourite film? I love all the Fast and Furious ones, I've just addicted to them. Um,
0: Ronaldo or Messi? Messi. Why Messi over
1: him? I just think he's got so much more to his game. Uh, just his dribbling stuff, it's just, he's a joke. He can do everything. I know Ronaldo's obviously quality you, but Messi is a joke.
0: I'm interested to ask you a question now that when I was younger I played with your brother Corey and he was a great player when, when I was coming through and obviously he was pro youth for for many years as well,
1: I'm interested to ask this question: um, Who was a better player as a youth, your Corey? <laughs> I get asked this a lot, and I actually think he was probably better because when I used to watch him. I used to be jealous. My left foot, I would say, is a wand. That's a decent left foot, uh, I think. But he was both footed, and we used to go down the park every day. That's how we practise and they would just. We used, to, we used to do like corner challenges, score over your left and right, and my right fits hopeless. Him that knows me, it's for standing on, so I could never do it. And he would go to boom, right, left. Uh, then, sadly, I got injuries, and as most people do in football, it's part and parcel, like myself. And you can kind of follow FA game, you know.
0: If you could play for any manager in world football at the moment, who would it be and why?
1: it would have to be. A- Pet blah, blah, because I just love the way teams play and I'd love to be on a training field on a day because I love football and I'm one of the ones who could go and just train for hours. So I'd like to go and see how does he set his teams up to break teams down because teams are always sitting against them and their movement and your how good these teams are. I'd just love to see how is it that good? What does he do on a training pitch? It makes him such a good manager.
0: I'm interested to ask the last question of the quick fire. If you could make a dream five aside team from the
1: players you've watched in your lifetime, who'd it be in it? Oh. Ronaldo, the older one, because he w- I remember I was a young lad, but growing up, he was a joke. And it used to be, when it was like, watching the league; it used to be back to the front, the goals, remember? Like, with three at home, but the score, at would like 0-1. Yep. And that's when I remember, he was a joke. So he'd be obviously a striker. Then Messi, for just skinning folk and, and 5 aside pitches. Ronaldo, I wouldn't say Ronaldo's a 5 aside player, because he can't jump up and head of the ball, or score, tap bins. saying so defensive... Big Tony Adams was a monster at oh, the back, uh, keeper. Scott quite a Shimmy And what's that one there? One more?
0: Midfielder.
1: Anester. Oh. And what, Esther. A what a team it's a joke. He's a joke. Loved watching him. Just the way he glides by players. So wee, but so scorable. I must say, Nicky, thank you very much for joining
0: me on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. No, it's my. I loved it. Thank you. For that. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Football CFB Podcast with me, Callum McFadden. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at football under slash CFB and please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or through Anchor FM um, where I always post my links to the podcasts anyway. Um, I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I cannot wait to share my next one with you. Please join me again um, very soon when I'll have another Football CFB with. But until next time, take care. So we'll dive down to the ocean and am we'll a make curl home in a day. Shells will all be open. They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song. We'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make her home in a deep sea cave. And shells will all be open. They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song.